Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning again. And welcome to those uh, Christian Coffee Time and those uh, having a peek at the broadcast. Nice to have you uh, with us. We are in the uh, Book of John still, the Gospels. We're going through the Gospels chronologically, so please turn to chapter 8. And we'll have a look at some things here. Very, very interesting stuff. Well, it's all interesting, isn't it? Fascinating, fascinating stuff in the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God, you know that. But uh, let's take our uh, take a few moments and have just a word of prayer here. Our Father in Heaven, we just want to thank you for the blessing of this time, Lord, to come before you and to look into your Word and to see what you have for us, Lord. We thank you that the Bible is the Word of God and that, Lord, we can... Uh, learn from you and learn from it and you speak to us through the word help us now lord understand these things and make applications to our own hearts and lives we thank you now for all things in jesus name amen okay lord <coughs> jesus was teaching the uh <clears throat> the people in the temple and the pharisees and the uh, scribes came along and they interrupted him and they had a problem with that that lady that was caught in adultery and all that sort of thing and what we're going to do is pick up at about verse 16. I know we, we talked about this, but just for kind of our intro, to get our thoughts going as to where we should be in that, um, verses 16, 17, 18, and 19, uh, the Lord Jesus gives a testimony of himself. And he says to them, um, uh, verse 17, he says, It is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. So remember, they just had that incident whereby the lady was brought and and uh those that had uh, witnesses against her and the lord jesus wrote down in the ground i believe he wrote the ten commandments because the ten commandments convicts of sin and the accusers went out and he says to her where are thine accusers and she says none sir he says neither do i condemn thee go and sin no more so there's a big thing about that there had to be and we looked back uh referenced the verses in the old testament in Deuteronomy and such where um, there had to be at least two witnesses to a particular crime two or three witnesses a minimum of two and so we have here the Lord Jesus is witnessing of himself now and they think they I think that they think that they've got him because they said to him uh, you're witnessing of yourself your witness is not true you see that uh, the testimony of two men Jesus says in verse 18 I am one that bears witness of myself and the Father that sent me bears witness of me also. Um, so right there's a declaration of something right in that. He's, he's declaring, again, we mentioned it last week, he's declaring his deity. As he said to them at another point in time, I and the Father are one. Okay, that's a declaration of deity as well. But also the mission that he was on to uh, reach people. He did not come to condemn. He came to save and the authority by which he would do these things, he was sent from God Almighty. Okay? And being sent from God, he called himself the Son of God, called himself the Son of Man. A lot of times people don't get that one, but if you go back to write this down, Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 talks about the Son of Man who would come. He's the Messiah. This is the Christ. This is God manifest in the flesh. You see? They said unto him, verse 19, Where is thy father? Oh, wait, I missed something. We need to back up a little bit. Um, he said, 
the testimony of two is true, and he says he was bearing witness of himself, but the Father bears witness of him. Not only um, did he have the Father with him, and God was in him, and that he was and is God, that the things that he did witness for him, okay? You hear people say at another, another point in time that no man can do these things except God be with him. And then over in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, that uh, many other things truly did Jesus, but these are written, the things he did, the miracles that he did, these things that God did, are so people will see and understand that this is the Son of God and that believing in Jesus Christ will have eternal life. And so on, you read those verses. Uh, very important. The miracles that Jesus did was God's witness of him. Okay? And God wants people to read the scriptures today, especially the Gospels. But the Pharisees say unto him, verse 19, where is thy father? Now, you stop and think about it for a minute. And, and later on, they accuse him of being illegitimate. Uh, because uh, Mary was found to be with child before her and Joseph were married. And uh, um, they had a different system in that time. When they were betrothed, they were declared to be husband and wife, but they would live apart for a year until the ceremony. And that They would accuse Jesus of being Ill illegitimately born. Where is thy father? The other thing here is, where is thy father? Um, they would see not God as his father, but they thought that Joseph was actually the father. Joseph was not Jesus' father, was he? The Spirit of God moved upon Mary and caused that baby to be formed in the womb, so on and so forth, right? Wow. They're saying, where is thy father? At this point, Joseph is dead. Mm -hmm. He's gone, okay? And we talked about that earlier, and what seems to indicate what happened when the family came to Jesus, he was teaching in that, and they were outside, somebody says, your mother and your, your brothers and all that want to talk to you, and he says, these are my, my, my mother and my brothers and my sisters, these that believe the word of God. Joseph, I believe they were coming to tell him that Joseph had died. But we won't get into that right now. Joseph at some point dies off, doesn't he? Because Jesus on the cross says to John uh, that he was to look after Mary now. That uh, he would be her son and she would be his mother, kind of thing. He would look after her, okay? Because Joseph is gone. So these guys, this is what they think. Where's your father? Okay? Keep that in mind that Jesus answered, He says, You neither know me nor my father. Um, I, I'd like to know what what the in, inflec, inflections, is that a word? Inflections? In the voice, as the Lord Jesus. Uh, did he get annoyed with them? Did he get upset with them? Was he speaking harshly or was he very calm? But um, he says, You neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, you would have known my father also. See, they didn't know and understand. It tells us later, I think it's in verse 26, that they didn't understand who he was talking about. They didn't understand he was talking about God the Father in that sense. They, they didn't get anything, okay? They just didn't get. Now, these are the ones who are the religious leaders. The ones that would be standing up in the pulpits and teaching the people, this is what God says, and this is what God expects of you, and all this stuff. And the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests, the whole bunch of them, except for some that did believe, and we'll see some wonderful things take place later on. We don't, might not get to that, but some do believe in Him. Um, but isn't that a, 
an awful thing. We touched on that last week a little bit. We don't need to stay there, but it's an awful thing for someone to put themselves in a position of authority and say that I speak for God and, and they're not. I was talking to a guy the other day who was trying to tell me that in this particular denomination where all these uh, people that were saved and it was a cult thing. And, uh, I said, no, wait a minute, I don't buy that. And he says, all these ones, they're all, they're all uh, believer, believing and speaking in tongues and all. I says, just a minute now. Um, but you see, they get no right to say that. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've not come to Jesus Christ and seen Him as the Savior, seen your sins, and seeing yourself undone before God, but you see the Savior and cry out to Him, it's Jesus alone, I told them. Jesus alone and nothing else, nobody else. You can't add a thing to that, can you? Or it's another Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches. I think it's Corinthians talks about that, isn't it? Some of that. Should have known my Father also. And then verse 20, we see this. These words spake Jesus in the treasury. Now this is kind of interesting. I like history. I never used to like history, but I really like it now. Uh, especially biblical things like that. Um, the treasury. I drew a, a, just a little thingy on the board here. This would be the, the temple. You know, the, the, where God would meet with them in the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was in this little spot here. And then the second one, or the first one here, <clears throat> the holy place, and there's a veil. Outside there would be the altar. Okay? In around here is the, called the priest's court. Nobody else but the priests went in here. This is in here called the men's court. And the women weren't allowed in there. But this is the women's court here. And this would be, I think this would be the Gentiles' court or the outer court. But in the women's court was the treasury. They, had, they kept in there, they had 13 chests of silver and gold kept there. I just That's what I read. I, well, that's fascinating. It's hard to understand, but that's, that's what it was. Um, where is it? I don't know where I put it. Oh, here we are. Okay, in the treasury. The thing that really got me about this was, here's where God said he would meet with them, with the high priest, with Moses and that. God would come down, okay, and meet with them right there. And they followed a strict set of rules for sacrifices and everything in meeting with God. <coughs> God would come down right there. And he'd meet them. And that space between the wings of the cherubims over the mercy seat, there's the mercy seat, the gold covering of the ark, and these two cherubim angels. And he says, I will meet with thee there. In that space between the wings and the mercy seat where God would meet with them. God came in another way this time. He came in through the, to the court, came in through the doorway here, and he sat down. And he taught the people. And they didn't know who he was. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. And they didn't know. Well, that's what it, what it says the treasury. This is the court of the women. As he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. I think I read that it wasn't just for anybody to stand up and speak. It was only for like the uh, the leaders and such to speak there. But there's the Lord Jesus uh, teaching them in this place. And in verse 21, then said, then said Jesus again unto them, 
I circled in my Bible the number of times that Jesus, where it says, He said unto them again. I got half a dozen, or maybe more. But the patience of God, the patience of the Lord Jesus, with these aggravated or aggravating individuals, the Pharisees and the scribes, always trying to trip him up, always going against what he says and everything. And yet he speaks to them again. And he answers them again. And I, I honestly don't believe it was a, a harsh, firm yelling at them kind of thing. It was, uh, he's, he's wanting to teach them. God wants everybody to be saved. God is not willing that any should perish. And when you get to the book of Revelation, you get up to chapter 8, and you get through it, and the uh, believers have been removed off the earth, and the 144,000 have been sealed, and the trumpets are about to begin, which begins the wrath of God. It doesn't start before that. The trumpets and the, and, and the, uh, the, the um, vials are the wrath of God. The seals are not. But you'll note there in the first part of chapter 8, and there was silence in heaven for half an hour. All of heaven went silent. Why? Because what God had to do next was a thing He didn't really want to do. And that was judge this old earth. Judge the earth for its sins and bring wrath and judgment upon the earth. And there was just a silent, solemn, holy quietness. This is serious stuff. People laugh at it. People make a mock of sin today. Mm. We won't be laughing and mocking when God comes back and when, he, when Jesus Christ comes back and the wrath of God is poured out on this old world. Anyway, let's get back to this. And the point was, Jesus says again and again to them, do you ever get kind of tired of dealing with somebody or something and a problem and you just kind of forget if we take Jesus' example, he doesn't give up, does he? Mm -hmm. eh? Then said Jesus unto them again, I go my way. Ye shall seek me. They'll look for him. They'll try and find him. And I read that the, the word there has the idea to seek by thinking as well. They can't think this through. They won't be able to find him. Ye shall seek me. And look what he says. And shall die in your sins. Most of the people that we see and come in contact with in a day, the people that we see traveling down the highway, in the grocery stores, roundabout, most of them are going to die in their sins. The Bible says that there'll be a few that go through the narrow gate and be saved. There'll be a few relatively that will be saved comparatively that trust in Jesus Christ. But many, many will go the broad way of destruction. Isn't that sad? What are we going to do about it? <laughs> do what you can, that's all. Get a pile of tracks. We talked about that last week. Hand them out. Start talking to people. You shall die in your sins. I think at that point, the Lord Jesus is, that's, that's the compassion, the love of God. He doesn't want them to die in their sins. Mm -hmm. But because of their stubbornness, their, their foolish, foolish ways, it's like, this is the way it's always been done. <laughs> but what if it leads you down the wrong path? And I told the guy the other day, I said, you know, one of the most important things for a Christian is to be teachable. Because none of us have everything wired up. But many of us, we do act like we do have it all wired up, notice about everything going on, eh? 
We need to be teachable because God will teach us as we go along. We may see something that, oh, I thought it was this. No, this is what it is. How do we get on that? Um, ye shall seek me, ye shall die in your sins. Whether I go, ye cannot come. Now, you see, some people would take that, you see, they're not of the chosen. Well, they can't, can't, he says, because of unbelief. It's unbelief. What if they would believe with the heart? Romans 10, 9 and 10. It's with the heart. They would be saved. They would be able to go where Jesus is going. But he's saying to these ones, the stubborn, stiff-necked ones, you cannot come. You can't come. Simply because of unbelief. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he says, whether I go, you cannot come. I just wrote in behind my Bible there, just no understanding. They didn't get it. The things of God are spiritually discerned, are they not? The Bible tells us that, Corinthians. <clears throat> and Jesus um, said this one, verse, verse 23, he says this to them, and he said unto them, ye are from beneath. I am from above. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. Okay. Now, ye are from beneath. I remember one time talking to, I forget who it was talking to about hell being underneath, beneath. And they just couldn't grasp that. We went through the Bible and looked at those things. Hell is originally the place that was made for the devil and his angels, right? Matthew 25, 41 teaches us that. Mankind, through Adam in the garden, denied or resisted or ignored, the way we want to say it, God's words. And he listened to and followed the devil's words. And that's what we have going on now, is a battle for souls, and the weapons are words. You believe the devil's words, you believe God's words. Depend on where you're going to end up. Okay? It's just a battle for souls. Um, just a couple of verses for you, just to show that. And I find it kind of strange. We walk around on the, on the ground in that. And way down under there somewhere are the souls of those who have died. Waiting, Second Peter 1, 9, waiting to be brought up before Jesus Christ at the judgment. Mm -hmm. Revelation chapter 20. Let me read a couple of verses to you. Now that he ascended, what is it that he first descended first into the lower parts of the earth? I'm talking about Jesus Christ. He went down there to preach unto the spirits in prison, right? Philippians 2.10 says this, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things that things that's in italics you could say beings or whatever but things in heaven things on earth and things under the earth all knees are going to bow okay and there's tons of other uh verses in psalm 63 9 says uh, but those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth Psalm uh, 55, verse 15, talks about going down into hell. Numbers 16, 33, they went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them. Isaiah 14, 9, 
hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. And there's more verses just to show that, that Jesus is saying, this is where you're from. This is your origin. This is where you're going to. You're following the devil's words. You're doing his work, not God's. He's saying that to them. Verse 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not, now you might want to write down Romans 10, 9 and 10. It talks about being saved, how to be saved, that is by belief from the heart, right? Salvation depends on your belief as to who Jesus is. Amen. Did you know that? You knew that. As to who he is. To accept, to receive, to believe in, to put your faith in, to put your trust in the Son of God, God the Son, because He tells them very clearly who He is. Mm -hmm. I said therefore unto you that, that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am, see he in italics, mm -hmm. I took my pen and just stroked that out there, because He was saying to them, He did not say I am He, He said I am. Mm -hmm. Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush, Moses, who shall I tell him to send me? I am that I am. And it's a declaration of deity. It's God's declaration of himself, who he is. Jesus Christ was saying, I am God manifest in the flesh. This is the Father. This is the Holy Spirit. This is him right standing right there. He says, and except you believe that I am, ye shall die in your sins. Wow, what a statement. What a thing. That's an important verse to use with, with people that are trying to add things to salvation, add things to Christ or to cults and things like that. Just that one verse right there. Except you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, except you believe that Jesus is God the Son, you will die in your sins. Isn't that amazing, folks? This is pretty serious stuff. To believe, uh, the word believe, the verb, expresses an action. To believe means to be, and the word, as we have it, uh, to be persuaded of, and hence, to place confidence in, to trust, to commit to, which signifies reliance upon. It's not just a little thing in the head, eh? It's in the heart, and your whole heart, and your whole being, your whole person. You are persuaded that He is who He says He is, and you place your confidence in Him. You trust in Him. You've committed yourself to Him. Now, all of that signifies that you rely upon Him for your salvation and for everything. That's belief. That's belief. We heard a sermon years and years ago. I forget the guy's name. I can still picture him, though. Um, was from Hamilton. Cheap crosses. Remember that? Cheap crosses. It was a pretty good message, a firing message about just the uh, cheapness of salvation, the cheapness of the cross today and how it's de dealt with like that. This is serious, heavy-duty stuff. He's the I Am that was God on that cross for your sins, for your sins, for mine, for everybody's. Amen. God paying the price of our sins, the sacrifice, the, the lamb, and there he is, and giving his life, shedding his blood, dying on the cross, 
being buried and then rising from the dead on the third day because that's this God you're dealing with. And to show that Jesus indeed has defeated sin. Amen. If you, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. Then they said unto him, Who art thou? I wonder how they said that. They said, well, Who are you? Or, Who are you? We don't know. Do you know? What do you think? You have to tell me right now. Who art thou? And there again, and Jesus, and Jesus said unto them, He replies, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. What I've been saying to you all along. I have many things to say and to judge of you. But he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. That word of right there means from. I think from him. As he's saying, I came from God. Of God. Verse 27, I thought it was 26. 27, they understood not spiritually discerned. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. People say sometimes, Well, on my deathbed, I'll, 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 maybe, I'll maybe accept and believe in Jesus on my deathbed. Well, maybe you won't too. Because if the Spirit of God isn't present there, He's the one that opens your understanding and such, because it's spiritually discerned, you might not have that chance. Today is the day of salvation. If you're not saved, you better get saved. We've got a lot of dangerous things working against us, okay? Everybody's going to die. You don't know when you're going to die. Things are getting worse in the world. Jesus Christ is going to come back. What are you going to wait for? Get saved and enjoy the blessings and the security What's some of the words you put there? It's just amazing, the amazing grace of God. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that you're a child of God and heaven's your home and God is your Father? Isn't that amazing? You should be jumping up and down shouting hallelujah. Oh, we don't do that. Okay. <laughs> we should be. And we should learn how to do that. Anyways, then Jesus said unto him, look at what he says. Then Jesus said unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, Lifted up. He's talking about the cross. Yep. The Son of Man. There it is. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Read those, memorize them, and get used to those verses. Because that's what it means when he says, Son of Man. He says, when you've lifted me up, when I'm on the cross, then ye shall know that I am. And I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak those things. Now, what we wanted to do here is just take your Bible and turn back. You notice the Lord says, when I'm on the cross, you're going to know who I am. We even have an example of that. We're going to jump ahead in time, chronologically, turning your Bible back to um, Matthew uh, chapter 27. We're going to use this to finish up with this one. Matthew chapter 27. He says, when I'm on the cross, you will know that I am. You'll know that who I am. <clears throat> I wonder if some of those ones that were there were some of the ones that got saved at Pentecost. That day. It was 3,000 Jews got saved. Could be. I don't know. But look at this. Now keep that in mind when he just told them. And look at Matthew chapter 27. Go to verse 50. 
Here we have Jesus Christ on the cross. Matthew 27, verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. He gave up his spirit. They didn't kill him. He gave up his life. And that itself is a declaration of deity. And behold, five things took place. Well, I count them as five things here. First of all, behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to the bottom. I wonder if it could be heard. Could you think the people could hear this? When you tear a cloth, it makes a noise, eh? Now this, this veil was, I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true or not, it was about four inches thick. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But it was a pretty heavy curtain. Would it make a noise if it was torn? It was torn from top to bottom. I don't think it was silent. And nonetheless, behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. That's just simply showing that the way to God is open now. The veil signifies His flesh. And the earth did quake. Put yourself there. You're back there. There's Jesus on the cross. You're amongst the crowd there. And down there's soldiers and stuff. And something just happened over in the temple inside, inside the city. Because we're outside the city here. And now the ground's shaking. There's an earthquake. And number three, the rocks rent. Rocks are breaking in half. What's going on? You know, they use rocks to seal the tombs. Eh? Uh, you've seen the pictures of uh, the fancy ones would be a nice carved kind of big round stone and roll into place. They're starting to crack and they're falling down and everything. Why? And the earth did quake and the rocks went and the graves were open. I mean, you see the stones are coming down away from the graves. All the graves are being opened up. And look at this. And many bodies, you know, there's a word here that I read the other day and I thought, you know, I never gave that much thought before. It's like I never saw it before. It wasn't just many of the bodies. What does it say? Bodies of the saints. Those that had previously trusted in Jesus Christ at that time. Many of them which slept. It means they were dead. They'd been buried. It's not the bodies of sinners. It's not the bodies of people that have gone to hell. It's the people that were in paradise Verse 53, and they came out of the graves after his resurrection. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, these ones came out of the graves and went into town and appeared unto many. Isn't that something? Just, just stop, put yourself there for a minute. Some friends, neighbors, relatives, what are you doing here? We just buried, buried you two years ago or whatever. <laughs> Would that be a shock? They make that into a horror movie today, but it wasn't anything horrible about it. It was the most amazing and wonderful thing that had taken place at that time, right in that place there, apart from the cross and resurrection itself. Now, verse 54 is what we wanted. Now, when the centurion and they that were with him, and they that were with him, who are these guys? These are the guys that beat him, that mocked him, that pulled his beard out, that plowed on his back, that beat him up so you couldn't even recognize him physically. And they're there. Wow, I think there was four Praetorians or something. I don't know how many was there, I forget. And they that were with him, they're watching Jesus. They saw the earthquake and those things that were done. 
And they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Mm -hmm. How do you think those soldiers felt at that point? Immediately comes to them, this is the Son of God. I think their eyes would go wide and say, oh, what have we done? Not only did they see and understand that Jesus is the Son of God, that He's the Savior, they understood their sins right on the moment, right there. How do I know that? Because of the way it's said. And because of the way things happen. If they and what they have done, they see true, truly for a truth. He really is the Son of God. Uh-oh. Look what we just did. You have to recognize your sins. They had tortured him, and now they realize who he is. And people all across the world are sinning and sinning and sinning and sinning and don't know who Jesus is. Don't leave it to the last minute. You might not make it. He truly is the Son of God for us, for our sins. Isn't that amazing, folks? Amen. They feared greatly. And there's one of the problems that people have today that they have no fear of God. We ought to be fearing God. Truly, this was the Son of God. I'm going to leave it with you right there. We're going to stop right there. Amazing, amazing thing, the Word of God. Amazing thing as we go through the Gospel chronologically. And just look at these things that Jesus did and try and put ourselves in the actual in the in the place back then we're watching and we're listening we're hearing and we're seeing what's taking place amazing thing one of the things that stands out to us is the way the lord jesus responded to these people that were absolutely hard to get along with in fact they wanted to kill him he could have killed them any time with a spoken word they come to arrest him in the garden of gethsemane whom seek ye? We seek Jesus of Nazareth. I am he, but I don't think he said he. I am. And they all fell over backwards, eh? Mm -hmm. But let us take the lesson. He said again unto them. He said unto them. Jesus saith unto them. Jesus said unto them. He spake these words to the Jews. And let us, as we deal with people, and those that are um, troublesome, perhaps. Maybe we're troublesome. Am I troublesome? Yeah. Can be troublesome. Yeah. And how do we treat people? We talked about this last week. We treat people. Let's take the lesson from the Lord Jesus. And salvation is only in Jesus Christ. He is the I am. And if you don't believe in him, if you don't believe that he's the I am, you will die in your sins. You will go to hell. You will wait until the judgment and be cast in the lake of fire. But today, anybody could believe and trust in Jesus Christ no matter what you've done. Amen? Amen. No matter what, because He paid for all of it. Come to Jesus with that heart that's broken for sin and call out to the Savior, Jesus save me, however you want to put it, and He will save you. Amen. We have a wonderful Savior. We have a wonderful and amazing God. And we have uh, the Word of God here to instruct us. Well, we have to stop. That's enough for right now. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for your grace. Thank you for this time for us to look into the Bible, which is your word, Lord. And we just pray that some, somewhere would be helped by something that was said today, that you would get all the honor and glory. We want to thank you for 
giving yourself, Lord, for our sins. We want to thank you for rising from the dead on the third day. Help us, Lord, as we go about dealing with people all around about us, that we keep in mind your patience, your kindness, your compassion, and your love for people. Give that to us, Lord, and help us. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're all done. Thank you, folks, for watching. We'll uh, be back next week, Lord willing, okay? Bye now. <laughs>